Hello, and welcome to Racket Boy Podcast number 73. My name is Dave Heineman. I'll be one of your hosts for this episode uh, as we talk about retro games and game culture. I'm joined, as almost always, by my co-host, John Stringer. John, doing well tonight? I think, actually, you were going to do the o- the opening this time, and, and we forgot. I was going to do the opening? Yeah, yeah. I remember we had said last time that uh, you, you sort of talked about how canned my opening had become. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it sounded see- like your professor speech. Something like I that. I imagine you teaching, uh, talking to a room full of... Uh, uh, students. Hello, and welcome to class session number 14. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be your professor this afternoon. <laughs> I have a feeling that's what it sounds like. Yeah, right. More or less. <laughs> I think we need to accompany uh, that, that awesome picture your student drew of you. Oh, you saw it on Twitter, yeah. Yeah, you didn't see my comment? <laughs> no, what did you What did you write? I said, uh, the scale's off. He drew you a bit too tall. Oh, next to my bag? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if you pretend that the bag is like a, uh, I don't know, like a wallet or something. <laughs> It was more just a dig at you being a short sure, guy. Yes, so. I know, I know. <laughs> um, well, I should probably let people know off the bat here that uh, this this show is being uh, released out into the wild uh, at, at the same time or very close to the same time as the previous recorded show, which is episode number 72. Uh, that is just a, an episode uh, with myself and Daniel Johnson, who is the uh, – he also goes by Daniel Primed on the forums, and uh, he – uh, a regular listener to the show, a longtime forum member, but he recently put out a book on uh, a critical analysis of Wario Land 4. It's a sort of 600-page tome that very methodically goes through the design of the game and, and uh, is quite interesting for a number of reasons. So there's about an hour-long interview that I did with him in March, uh, or I'm sorry, in April, uh, or in May now, in, in April, that uh, I just have been uh, slow in posting and so uh, so that you have that and so that you don't feel too far behind, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and post that up and this episode around the same time. So if you see this one, make sure to grab the other as well. But uh, And then I guess that that's one little piece of news at the top here. I guess uh, we should probably also explain why there wasn't a PAX show. I'll, I'll let you jump into that first. PAX show? What do you mean PAX show? Well, we had, we had uh, <laughs> I think last time we recorded was yeah. early March and we talked about doing a PAX East show. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's, we both unfortunately were not able to attend PAX this year, much to uh, our combined sadness. I think Dave has some more things come up. Uh, I had been on the fence about doing it. Uh, I went and looked at pricing, was trying to coordinate a hotel with Dave, and then I went to the next day. I think we were going to actually do it, and then the plane, you know, flight costs jumped about one hundred and fifty dollars or so. So it kind of knocked me out of the budget range for doing so, especially when it was just $150 cheaper the day before. I kind of was irritated about that fact. Uh, so I didn't do it. Uh, that being said, and this is one of the things I was going to talk about, I things are looking good that I'll be going to E3 this year uh, oh, nice. for, for RPGamer.com. Um, I have been accepted. I was accepted a little while ago, and I wasn't sure if I was going to go to PAX, E3, or both. Um the good thing about E3 is I have an uncle that live, or two uncles that live in uh, LA who've been wanting me to visit for a while, as it is. So I would have a free place to stay, and I'd probably go down a little earlier and leave a little later to uh, uh, do the touristy type things and hang out with some family. Uh, would you go here with your, with your whole family or just yourself? Probably just myself. Um, basically, my wife doesn't want to sit around for with three your or four uncle days. All day? <laughs> yeah, while I'm at E3 all day. So <laughs> sure, nope. or by herself, or yeah. uh, she. My mom was going to go because she's supposed to. They're her brothers who live out there, but uh, she had a 
another trip already planned and paid for with some friends to Cancun or something like that. So she couldn't, uh, she had already went in on the, the ticket. So she was stuck. Uh, it just kind of happened to just line up just that way. So, but I should know soon and I need to know soon because I don't want the plane ticket fee, uh, to go up like it did last time for E3. Sorry, sorry for uh, PAX East this year. Right. There also is a PAX South coming. Right. And that'll be close to you. Yeah, it's going to be in San Antonio where I grew up, so I still have uh, my parents both live down there, uh, my brother lives down there, uh, a whole bunch of old friends and such, so I uh, 100% will be attending that one, and it was a quick drive, and I was trying to talk Dave into coming down and staying with me uh, to attend it, uh, I think it should be in January 2015, so I'm really excited about that news. Yeah, no, I, I'll certainly uh, put in my media requests and uh intend to come uh we'll see you know where it falls on the calendar i forget it's it was right around when classes begin i looked at the second the, week of january i think second week okay so maybe january. just before i don't know i think you said it was the weekend of the first week of classes okay okay so what you did say though it's probably not that big of a deal since it is this the first week of classes so right right you can, professors cancel all the time right you just don't show up <laughs> and the students stay there 15 minutes and go back to their dorms sometimes that happens yeah yeah <laughs> first week of class is often uh, here's the syllabus. Here's what we'll do. Do you have any questions? You know, if you still feel like seeing around, we'll we'll do stuff next week. <laughs> Sorry, this is a little off topic. Since I, I've always kind of wanted to ask a professor, this is you guys actually get in trouble when you just don't show up for one of your lectures? Um, well, I haven't done that without sort of alerting my students or mm -hmm. uh, or putting a note on the door or something, letting them know. Uh, if you so I guess the short answer to that question is yes, if you, just like anywhere else, were sort of regularly not showing up for for class. And um, the I mean, someone would have to basically tell, like, uh, a department chair or a dean or something about that, like a student or a parent or something, I guess, uh, would, would have to raise a complaint. And then, yes, you could get uh, some sort of potential trouble. You know, it usually would just be like a... Um, some kind of a, a warning or something like that, I guess, unless it became a, a problem. And then depending on your, uh, you know, rank and, and how invested the university was in you, then, you know, you could, I guess, be dismissed or uh, hmm. reassigned to other kinds of duties or something. So, I mean, yeah, same as any place else. It, if you shirk your responsibilities long enough, then, yes, eventually there'll be consequences for that. So, uh, but, you know, with, with, with that, it would have to the complaint and knowledge about it generally would have to come from the people who, uh, you know, are being taught. And students. most students, if they just happen to teach after the miss a day, they're probably not that displeased. Yeah, they're generally, they're generally pretty happy, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, they're probably less than happy when I send them an email saying, oh, you know, no class today, I'm not feeling, feeling well, uh, but do all the reading anyway, and we'll just <laughs> handle everything from the week we missed and next week when we meet next year. So mm. no, no reprieve. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh, a professional professionalism there that's just the same as anywhere else i would say yeah. except we don't wear suits <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no suits yeah, yeah you must you can't be a professional if you don't wear a suit no that's that's what i've heard lately. you must be some uh, stoner slob that sleeps in your uh your jeans and your collared shirts yeah yeah i guess you know there are occasions for suits like professional sporting events and uh, wearing them to uh, the beach and things like that, I guess. But, yeah, yeah not at the work. <laughs> <laughs>
But anyway, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, dive into the the regular content. We have a lot of stuff to get through here, um, and I guess we'll start with the kind of standard uh, what we've been playing and, and picking up lately. And uh, what what do you have on those fronts? I am currently been playing Diablo Three uh, Reaper of Souls. Yeah. Um, I've beaten it. It's more of a. I've beaten the expansion. Had a lot of fun with it. I've liked a lot of the changes they have made uh, as far as the way they handle the auction house, uh, loot drops, the stats on the loot that you get. Um, so I, I like all these things. I like the adventure mode they added. Uh, it is really fun. I need it, to try that. What, what, so what is the, uh, the the difference between that and just kind of standard? Uh, you know, post-game, running around levels and Well, post-game, you kind of go through the same old thing over and over and over again, same little progression, where Adventure Mode didn't add a whole lot of new stuff or anything new at all, per se. It's just how you tackle it. You you go to a town, there's five bounties to do. It's basically quests. And so you'll click on your map and it'll say, okay, go kill this guy and kill 100 enemies in the area. So, or go unlock this cursed chest or go kill Malfail, who's the end boss of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so you, you do those five things, and you get loot and stuff along the way. And then once you complete the five quests, or each quest you complete, you get gold and experience, and you get these uh, uh, little rift fragments. And you go back, once you do all five, you go back to uh, Tyrael, and he gives you a little chest to unlock, and it's got a bunch of goodies in it. Okay. Uh, as your reward, and then you use rift fragments to open up uh, the rift, and you can go basically uh, do what's called rifting. You open up a rift portal. You, you once you're in there, you have to kill. Uh, there's like a kill meter, and once the kill meter adds up, you un- uh, you summon forth the rift boss, and you fight him, and he drops out uh, some pretty good loot. And uh, it's kind of fun. It's pretty. It can be really challenging, as there's a lot of elites in there, and it's mm. kind of fast paced. As far as hit, get hitting you with the enemies, so uh, it's more fun. You get a group together, and it's kind of almost like there's some relation to maybe like a small group, like raiding and like an MMO. You kind of get your little group together and go kill some bosses, sort of thing. It's not exactly like that, but it's a it has that kind of feel to me. It's kind of like the in-game content type stuff. So you get some seemingly some of the best loot or the better loot there, and you get it faster than you would if you were just doing the same old story-driven stuff and scenarios. So. Hmm. Well, uh, maybe I'll give that a try. Sounds sounds like a fun. So, so can can you basically get a good session in in like an hour or two? Yeah, yeah. And call it a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that sounds. Especially interesting. you can do probably do a rift in you know ten twenty minutes. Oh okay. Uh, okay. And I have about eighty rift fragments at least stored up in my bag. So it's kind of something that's fun to kill time while watching TV or uh, play with my wife and uh, some of my other friends and such. So I've been having. It's one. Of, it's I've been kind of playing it casually in a way, to where I'll you know I'll pick up and play it a few hours, but. I think I, I just recently bumped it up to Torment difficulty due to some of the uh, uh, gear upgrades I've had, so I want to keep the challenge going. I, I, I played through the uh, Reaper just the um, single-player campaign uh-huh. expansion with uh, you know, the, the character that I'd started the main campaign with before. And, uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. But one of the things that uh, still kind of... I feel like Diablo does more poorly than, uh, like, the Torchlight games, which are... Uh-huh. Uh, the other things I've played, at least in the last year or two, uh, is inventory management. Like I, I really feel like um, it, it's very quick. It's very quickly uh, after you know maybe like every five ten minutes uh, that my my chest is getting full, right? And so I have to constantly return, or constantly juggle, or constantly get rid of things. And um, 
like there's no like the, the one thing I like about Torchlight is you can like send your stuff back with your pet or whatever for a while. Yeah. Um, and there's a similar mechanic in um, the uh, uh, the game. I was playing a little bit of it last time when we did the, the show, um, the Van Helsing game. Oh, okay. um, they they have a similar kind of mechanic, uh, just another kind of Diablo type clone where you send your stuff back with like a spirit or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not there to help you for the time that they run back to town to cash out your gear, but you, you know, clear up your inventory without having to kind of break up the flow of stuff. Um, and but, I, I mean, so, town portal is pretty easy and accessible. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I felt that it uh, was kind of a pain personally to to have hmm. to to have to use it all the time. I never so, really. I mean, it takes enough no resources. I just I usually use that as a reprieve to go to the restroom or grab something to eat or get a drink or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it doesn't. I, or that, or I'm just used to it being in all the Diablos, and it doesn't bother me. Okay, but you don't feel like your your uh, you know your sack or your chest or whatever the heck they call it, your inventory is like constantly filling up every five minutes with stuff. Uh, that's probably a good thing, right? Well, not really, because then you spend then you spend more time doing inventory <laughs> management and less time actually. Oh, you know, my inventory management. I just I, I port back. I hit up the blacksmith. I uh, destroy all my gear. Or whatever, I uh, turn it into materials. I can't think of the word they use for it. And then I go to my chest, I throw all that in the chest, and I throw all the gems I got in the chest, and then I go back to uh, adventuring. I probably in town maybe like a minute or two. Okay. Unless I, I need to take a. But a, so you're a in town a minute or two like every five minutes, though? No, I wouldn't say it's that often. Okay. It just it just feels like a lot more often to me. Like I, I don't get tired pick of up a lot of the, the, uh, the gray or. I don't pick up a lot of the gray items. No, yeah, I stopped doing that, too. Yeah. So, but. I don't think... Five minutes seems like an exaggeration. All right, well, that that's... And we'll, and, <laughs> and I just... When I hear, like, uh, a mode where there's like even more loot and more stuff being dropped all the time to, to peruse, it would seem to me that as awesome as that would be, it would also mean a lot more trips to town than even what's in the campaign. Uh, I can do a rift without filling up my, bag, my bags. And I'll probably... I can usually do... Um, the five quests and not fill, and not return. Sometimes, depending on how long you're in there, some of them you can get in really quickly. Some of them you have to go through a whole level and kill a whole bunch. You might get a little bit more if you fight a bunch of elites. So sometimes I might have to go back after I complete my third, but it's not in the middle. So I kill the boss. Okay, my bags are kind of full. I guess I'll pop into town real fast and get rid of it before I do the next quest instead of jumping straight from quest to quest. So it... it I don't, it, it hasn't become an issue at all to me, or I haven't even noticed it being a problem. I guess I'm just so used to it being a part of the game. You guess. <clears throat> but yeah, I played that. Still been playing Ogre Battle 64 off and on. Um, enjoying that. About to start playing... Uh, what's our game? Eye of the Beholder for yeah. our Together mm-hmm. RPG that's starting in two days. So. Which I'll be joining in on that one, too. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, I... I really wanted to get back into Sweet Code, and I, I completely missed our uh, last month, or last, I had fully had plans on doing, I think, Diablo 3 and playing with my wife and stuff. I By the time I was going to get around to Sweet Code, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to finish it, so I didn't want to start it. It's mm-hmm. a game I've already beaten before, so I didn't feel too bad for missing out. Um, <laughs> what about you? What are you playing? Uh, well, I uh, I played through, in I guess, last two or three days, uh, Spyro the Dragon. Uh, I know you're not really v- very big on platformers, and uh, I, I'm hit and miss with them. Usually, games like Spyro, which feature uh, you know, more or less like a cute mascot and a platformer, uh, yeah. I, I tend to have more of an aversion to than enjoyment. But uh, 
there were a bunch of um, the, the whole Spyro series and the Crash series were all like 99 cents for each game on uh, PSN a while back. And uh, so I grabbed them sort of as an impulse and I figured I'd at least try the first one out. Uh, and I was really pleasantly surprised. So I, I played it on the Vita, which allowed me to um, to map the camera to the right analog stick, uh, because in the original game, the uh, you could use R2 and L2 to pan left and right, and you can just assign that to pushing right or left on the, the right analog stick and uh, assign the movement to the left analog stick. So uh, one, of, one of the things that it's kind of hard to go back to some PS1 games is uh, you know, some of them don't use the analog sticks at all, or some of them don't use the right analog stick for the camera. Um, and, and with this game, I was able to have a more modern platformer sort of interface uh, for controls with the game, and um, it, it made it quite enjoyable. So, hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it's got about six or seven different worlds. I probably spent six or seven hours in it or something to, to get through it. And uh, I was really impressed. I'm you know, I don't. I don't know. I know Insomniac's work after that fairly well, uh, and and Ratchet and Clank is also a series that yeah I can sort of take it or leave it. I don't think I've ever finished any of those games. Um, I really liked the Resistance series quite a bit, but uh, I, I guess I don't really know what they did prior to Spyro. I, I didn't look it up, but uh, if this is their first work, it's really very good. Huh. You, yeah, I um, uh, I've never played them, but like you know I typically don't have interest in those games so those are the kind of games where if i actually get down to play them they're not so bad and i can kind of get into them but then i want to turn them off i'm like i never get that yeah i really want to go play that spyro game or that other you know name put random platformer game name here so yeah it's just i i guess i can usually find enjoyment in almost any game so it's not like i hate the game so much or those types of games it's that i like so many other games more that i'd rather be doing those it's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah. It was just fun. Like, you know, it yeah. was... Um, yeah, and like it's I like said, a, I'm, I'm, both of those platforms are probably fun while you're playing yeah. it, but it's a thing, hmm, I'm going to go play a game. Do I want to play this game or that game? And it's usually always going to be not a platformer. Yeah. So, and the other game I, I played uh, has some platformer elements in it, I guess, but it's it's more of a uh, sort of RPG slash beat-em-up hybrid, uh, and that is I played uh, Muramasa Rebirth, also mm-hmm. in the Vita, uh, did you did you play that one or the original on the Wii? I haven't played the I haven't played either of them. I think I have the original or I had it at one point. I sold it. Yeah, but they looked interesting enough. Kind of, it's it would be uh, it's in the vein of those side-scrolling RPG fighter brawler type games. Sort of, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a little bit different than something like the old. Um, like the Dungeons and Dragons arcade games, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's quite a bit different from those. Um, uh, it, it felt sort of more like the combat felt a little bit more like a Ninja Gaiden type combat, mm. um, you know, like a two D. These sort of the older ones, um, and uh, it was a pretty uh, like pretty pretty much yeah, my complaint about uh, Diablo a few minutes ago was I felt that every five or ten minutes I was going back to town. In this game, I felt like every five to ten minutes I was. Uh, changing my equipment so i didn't have to get rid of things and sell them and make room but like you were always getting better and better swords and so there's a lot of uh changing your your swords you're always carrying three swords and you always want to have the best three in your inventory and because you keep uh leveling up to a place where you can use a new sword or forge a new sword or you find a new sword you're always kind of juggling those and um but it was pretty fun like the story was horrible i I don't i didn't uh i wouldn't say i didn't understand it or follow it it just was 
not communicated very well and it just what i what was communicated wasn't interesting so like if this is if your interest in rpgs is primarily one for story uh this is one i would think is, is probably not of interest to you but uh and and if your interest in rpg is kind of really meticulous interesting uh strategy and level progression stuff this is also not a good rpg for you but if you want something that has uh that is light on those elements light on story light on uh the uh, level progression, but has sort of uh, really compelling, interesting combat. This would be one that that you'd want to check out. Huh. Yeah. I don't... And it was also, I think it might still be actually. It was like seven fifty um, to to download, so it's pretty cheap right now. I've heard mixed things in that one. I've heard some really like it, some, and eh, it's all right. So I don't know. I got a. It's one of those. I got a bunch of similar games on my. Two play playlists that I haven't gotten to, so yeah, like dra- I, I guess it'd be similar like Dragon's Crown or something, and I could enjoy those. Yeah, I will say it's it's really it's like it's a gorgeous game. Like yeah, the uh, the two D the two D work is just you know, phenomenal. It's uh, you know the the, the background's really nice. Um, I didn't put this on the outline, but uh, I, I'm now playing something that's even nicer looking, <laughs> which is that uh, that new Child of Light game. Um, yeah, I've been check- I want to check that one out as well. Uh, but I mean, they're both. You know, both of them are just really uh, sort of state of the art for two D visuals in a game. They're they're really nice. Yeah, I've heard really good things about that Child of Light. Yeah, I've I've only played like about fifteen twenty minutes. So, but uh, hope to get get some more time in with it soon. What other uh, pickets have you had? Um, well, nothing too fantastic. I, uh, I I'm actually. Uh, Check my email here shortly. I'm waiting for uh, one of the four members uh, was going to go pick up the new Borderlands 2 uh, Vita bundle, and uh, I, I already have a Vita. Not interested in the the new one, but I am interested in Borderlands 2, um, mm-hmm. as it's probably the game I spent more hours on than any in the sort of you know most recent generation. And uh, so I, I worked out a deal with them. They're going to send me the code for the game, and so I'll. Uh, I thought actually I'd have it by the time we record it tonight, and I could say something about it, but uh, that did not happen. So uh, I'll have that soon to play. Um, I also picked up a code for uh, a couple of codes for uh, Watch Dogs for PC, so I'll I'll be playing that uh, when when it comes out. But um, you know, and I mentioned the PSN sales. I guess the other, the other stuff I've got is uh, the physical things. I recently got uh, the Neo XYX release. Uh, I think last time I recorded, I got in the. Uh, the, the Redux game, uh, mm-hmm. the, which is you know, just nonsense, but the, the XYX game, uh, Neo XYX, is quite good. Uh, it's one of the fastest shmups I've ever played, um, but it's uh, it's pretty fun. It's very challenging. Um, it's one of those games where, like, I'm, I long ago gave up the idea of trying to 1cc it, so I'm trying to complete it on the amount of credits that they give you by default. And uh, it, it works with tape mode, and it's, uh, it's just a really fluid, fast, pretty, pretty fun shmup. Um, you know, certainly coming from a small uh, developer, it's, it's pretty impressive. And uh, and then I picked up um, uh, a couple of games in the recent buy, like buy two get one for cheap games sale from uh, uh, GameStop. I got uh, two newest entries in, in series that uh, I I played everything previously, and that's uh, the Metal Gear Rising. Revengeance, I guess, is the subtitle. I hadn't played that yet, and uh, I picked it up. And uh, Gears of War Judgment, I think, is what the new one is called. That um, they were both, I think, about ten or twelve dollars, so uh, it was easy to easy to grab those. 
But uh, those are most of my pickups. Um, what about you? Uh, I did forget to mention, I also, I guess, last weekend of the week before, I picked up, or sorry, not picked up, I did a Civ Five round. And basically, I think Popo or someone else got in a, a uh, small discussion on the forums about Civ and Civ Five, and that was enough to get me thinking about it, and I just had to go and play a scenario, otherwise it would keep bothering me. That's so much I love the Civ game, so... Hopefully this, talking about it now, it won't have the same effect again, because uh, i got other games I want to play right now. But um, picking up, I just picked up MLB The Show 14, and I haven't played a baseball game since, like, MVP 05, so it's been almost a decade. And I've heard nothing but good things for the show. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, so I wanted to get another game on my PS4, and some of the guys I'm in a Madden League with have uh starting up a show league or not starting but continuing a show league and so i'm going to be jumping in on that so hopefully i won't suck too bad and uh, have a good time with the game yeah I, I picked it up uh i've picked it up two or three times over the years i like probably like every three years or so i've picked it up i, I think i got the uh the ps3 and vita versions of uh mm. 12 and uh yeah I, I enjoy the series i've never played through an entire season though that's that's too ambitious for me anymore <laughs> yeah we'll be playing Online franchise mode where we'll sim some games and play other uh, humans and or okay. user human users. So it looks like all the screenshots and stuff I've seen. It looks really good on the PS4. Yeah, it looks. I haven't really played it much yet. I I was gonna play it the other night and had to do a bunch of installing and downloading, and it was gonna take over an hour. Or so I flipped over to TV, and then then the NFL draft happened the last night. So yeah, haven't had haven't had a chance to get to it. Yeah. Uh, but. I got that. I got the Conception 2, uh, I guess the somewhat limited edition pre-release bundle box version and Demon Gaze collector edition, you know, the little niche Japanese-style games I uh, I order. Um, Atlas, I think, did one of them, and uh, ISA did the other. Are, are those games, uh, are they just kind of traditional JRPGs? Are they interesting no. in any way? What's their What's their focus? Conception 2 you're not going to like because it, I think it requires mating up characters and putting certain stats together and then having offspring and then having those offspring get with other offspring and you kind of want to almost create this the better child, I guess, or whatever. So, it's your, it's so, the, so the word conception thing. is literally referring to, like, yes. conceiving over again. <laughs> okay. Yes, exactly. Okay. And uh, Demon Gaze is a uh, dungeon crawler style, kind of like, uh, I guess, a wizardry type game. Okay. I, I believe, uh, hopefully I'm not saying that wrong. Pretty sure it is. But uh, And those are, uh, which platform did you get those? Because this isn't, Conception's well, cross- got, uh They're both on the Vita. Okay, or is it Conception on the on the PS3 also? Uh, it's on the 3DS and the Vita. Oh, okay, okay. And Demon Gaze, I th- or, or am I flipping that around? One of them's on both, and I think the other one's only on Vita. And I chose to get the Vita for, for both, so... Okay, okay. So I got those. I think I did get the Final Fantasy... I don't know if I mentioned last time, but I got the Final Fantasy X and X2 uh, HD remake, the Collector Edition, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I got that for the PS3. Um, I haven't opened it yet. That's one of those... Uh, I like the. I don't like ten two, but I like ten, and I've been kind of thinking about replaying it. I haven't played it since uh, my freshman year in college, so. Good. Yeah, I, I've only played ten. I didn't. I didn't finish it, and so I didn't even start ten two. 
Yeah, it's, I didn't own Tin 2 until like a few months ago. I yeah. despised the way the what they did with the game. <laughs> but that's it for me. I don't want to keep rambling on about all my pickups and all that. So uh, I guess you have, you're off for the summer now, aren't you? Yeah, we have uh, graduation tomorrow. Um, and I have a little bit of grading to still finish up. But uh, hopefully by Monday uh, I'm free and clear. And uh, have uh, three or three and a half months or so of uh, not having to to go into the office, so to speak. So must be nice. Must be yeah, nice. yeah. I mean, I have things I need to do, uh, but uh, you know, and, and I'll be full time babysitter. But uh, no. you know, other, otherwise, it's uh, yeah, it's a well needed break. What uh, you actually go to all the graduation ceremonies? I don't go every year. Uh, I go, and, and I don't go to one for for every college. Um, so you know, we like like most universities, we have uh, several different colleges, right? One for science, one for education. Um, communication is in the College of Liberal Arts, and so uh, I'm going to the the graduation for that tomorrow. Um, but I think they have four different graduations at different times for for the different colleges and, and different configurations tomorrow. So I'll go to that one, and uh, I'm going this year because I have a, a fair number of advisees who are graduating, and, uh, and so you know. Some years I'll go, some years I won't. Kind of depends on how many people I know who are going to be in graduation that I might want to see. Gotcha. But. All right. Well, I guess we'll, let's talk about our retro gaming news um, for our listeners. Most of you guys were probably already familiar with this, but uh, I guess I'll start. Uh, hotbed item lately it was filled with uh, filled with a lot of controversy as the analog NT, uh, basically the HDMI. Able NES modded system by Analog Interactive, who have been known for their consoleized, uh, the wood grain consoleized MVS systems. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we had talked about this on a prior show a few months ago. He had uh, did a little teaser about it, and just recently we got the full blown news, price points, some specs, and uh, pre-orders are now open. And for those not in the know. Uh, they will be four hundred ninety nine dollars uh, for the base model. It's an extra fifty dollar fee if you want to get a different color, and there's a fifty dollar uh, HDMI add on converter basically that if you want to use it for HDMI you have to purchase with it. So if you want a color customized system with uh, HDMI output, it'll cost you six hundred dollars, and it's not including a controller. Where if you want a refurbished controller it's about 30 bucks and a new controller is 50 <laughs> so uh obviously uh, there's been some controversy on a few points one is the price you know well that's way too much you know all it does is play nes and famicom games and uh the controllers are people you know why am i going to pay 30 dollars for this controller and i can get them for a few dollars from the flea market or from the local game store uh Chris has come on and, you know, tried to explain or, or uh, back up the uh, reasons for, for the prices on these. Uh, supposedly they're all cleaned up and they're proprietary, or not proprietary, but uh, replacement cords are inserted into the uh, NES controllers to make them a little longer and better. And um, the other big sticking point with a lot of uh, people is that they are using Famicoms. Uh, basically, he bought a whole bunch of them that are Bad shape, ugly, broken, uh, as far as mechanically on the outside of the case from some warehouse that was sitting there. And they're going to uh, take the CPU and the PPU out of those and mod them 
and put the new aluminum shell over them for this system they are selling. So uh, there are a lot of people who object to the destruction or the perceived destruction of any of these systems. So I think we've had some interesting forum discussions. Uh, I've been a part of some of them about this where I don't have any problem with the Famicom reappropriation as I think they are just, uh, it's just like, you know, is it bad for me to have gotten my NES's modded or my, my Genesis S video modded? Uh, I see all of this as taking a system with an ugly case, putting some desired mods on it for, uh, you know, some of the higher end or the video file type gamer and putting a customized uh, case on it. So it's still does what it was originally intended to do. It's just uh, basically turned into a luxury, a gaming luxury item at this point where uh, probably a small, only a small people feel it's worth getting. So whereas I'm probably not interested in something that plays NES games and Famicom games only for $500, as I don't think the upgrade, the money difference is worth the visual upgrade. Uh, for me, I can see how some are into it, and I think that price has to be up there that high because they're not going to be churning out mass units. This is going to be a very specialized item to a niche group, so in order to make it worth a while, they're going to have to put a decent hefty price tag on it. So I was kind of uh, afraid that was going to happen. I think I mentioned that back in, when we first discussed it, that I had a feeling it was going to be pretty pricey. Yeah, I, I feel, I mean, they got some of those complaints, certainly about the, the price uh, from people when they did the, the consoleized MVS with the wood grain and so forth. And uh, even then, I sort of thought that, well, you know, the people are complaining are probably not the people who they're trying to sell these to anyway, and I don't see why people are complaining about something that they're not interested in buying in the first place. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the argument about uh, taking taking existing in-the-wild consoles and uh, destroying them uh, doesn't hold much water for me either, right? So I, I'm sort of... Uh, I don't. I don't think this is going to be much of a controversy for us. I think I'm on the same nope. page as you, <laughs> so there's not not really too much to to debate. I think that uh, you know these are this is a small run of products that uh, are pretty cool, but yes, are pricey. But that generally people wouldn't be buying them at impulse. They would kind of know what they're getting and why it's being uh, sold for that much. And you know, if people don't like it, then that's that's their prerogative, I guess. But uh, I don't. I don't really understand their reasoning behind, you know, disliking it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Are you Are you thinking of uh, getting one at some point? Do you think is it something that's worth five or six hundred dollars to you? That's a no. I, I mean, I have an appreciation for it. I think it's really cool what they're doing, and I'd love to have a customized console like that. That's that's very unique. But I don't play NES games enough, and I don't feel the eight bit systems at least. Well, Playing the game, I don't think the having him played in HDMI or using the NES R RGB mod is worth the kind of money uh, compared to the upgrade it will actually give me. Right, it was, it was my my big view, and and I can I can play NES games for you know fifty you know, on a fifty dollar or my top loaders I have that I I got uh, AV mods on, so. But then again, you know, I I also don't play NES games a whole lot. I have a bunch, but it's just it's one of those not worth it to me yet. Uh, I'd probably pay like two two fifty for it maybe. Yeah. But that would be undercutting him because I know 
knowing what kind of stuff goes into it, I understand why he prices it. It's just for on my end as a consumer, what it, what it does isn't worth it to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I am sort of again same same boat. I don't think I play enough NES, uh, nor nor would I. Uh, I would have to play a lot of NES games in order for for this to be a justifiable purchase of, of kind of ten times what a standard system alone might cost. Um, yeah, that and added on to it. I mean, it's I'd rather have an Xbox One than it. Uh, sorry, retro gamers only, but yeah, <laughs> it's also it's also competing with other uh, similar things, and I think I would get a lot more and a lot more sophisticated of a device out of an Xbox One than I would out of uh, RGB modded NES. Right. So, well, my uh, my news is a similar kind of product uh, that is the uh, now often delayed uh, Retron 5, uh, which our listeners probably know is a uh, forthcoming uh, sort of all-in-one <laughs> uh, device. It has uh, slots for uh, what the, the NES and Famicom, uh, Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, Genesis, and am I missing anything? Game Boy Advance. Oh, it has the Game Boy Advance slot too. Game Boy, Game yeah. Boy Advance. Okay, so uh, and also has HDMI out, I believe, and uh, supposedly uh, some nice bells and whistles going on under the hood. But anyway, this was announced uh, probably a year and a half ago now. It's been some time since the uh, I remember first hearing about it. I think it was uh, well before E3 last year, and. Uh, and they've had to push back the release date a number of times, and uh, I think currently uh, they're they're talking about if it being available on the market uh, in, in probably June uh, or shipping in June, and then maybe being available in some fashion in July. Uh, but that's a pushback from what was originally like you know March or before that January or November. Or, you know, uh, so they're getting a lot of flack, uh, and there's been some people talking on the forum about. Uh, the Facebook page for Hyperkin, where people are basically every day going on there uh, complaining about these delays, complaining about uh, like increases in price in some places and, and other kinds of things. And because uh, I guess they've, they've raised uh, the suggested retail price a little bit as well over time. And uh, so, you know, it, it sounds like it's still coming. Uh, there haven't been many units out there yet, so I don't know how it's reviewing or what people think. But uh, what do you think? Is this is this kind of people upset for for good reason, or do you think that uh, Hyperkin is is going to be sending out a product that is uh, not worth having in the long run, or what? Um, I don't personally want one, but I the, I'm always I've always been a person that's been pretty patient with delays. I would rather have a nice in product with you know no problems i mean people always the consumers always want it perfect that they want it on time and early and there would be no issues with it I mean, but once something bad happens or a hiccup come, happens in your production it's all you you know you're damned if you do damned if you don't they really they could do the release it early then everyone you know complains that all oh, this thing's terrible it's broken it gets bad press it gets bad reviews and that's kind of like a uh, you know, beginning of the end for them. It's kind of a nail in the coffin. So you know, so especially for a smaller company like them, um, or they you know try to get all the bugs out and delay it, and then you have all the people that's like, oh, you know, 
I pre-ordered this. I wanted to get it this day. And they get very angry that they don't get the system. But in the end, I think it's a smarter move for them. Because if it is delayed, you know, you'll get some angry people. But if it's delayed and it gets good reviews and it works right, then it, it'll pick up steam and probably sell better. So uh, I, I think uh, think of the options for those who are complaining. Would you rather have it earlier and you know not be very good? Or do you want to wait a little while and get it get what you paid for? So I, I think they're, you know, freaking out over nothing. Yep, yep, yep. So, all right. Well, I think that's our uh, our news for the retro gamer, um, both of which deal with forthcoming retro systems. So, uh, next thing we have on the list here is uh, something I thought we spent a little bit of time talking about, which is our uh, our summer challenge list. So this is now, I think, the fifth year, maybe fourth or fifth year that the uh, there has been a summer gaming challenge on the forum where people try to uh, play through 10 games that can be uh, reasonably considered classics uh, over the course of the summer, games that they uh, haven't played ever before or maybe they've played just a little bit of and wanted to, to spend serious time with. And uh, anyway... Uh, it's basically, you know what this thread is? This thread is Dave makes a list of games, plays about three of them, and, it can, and then critiques everyone else's list. That that's generally the way it's gone almost every year. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then generally I don't like the three that I've played uh, either. But this year so far I like the first one. So so it's basically it's more. I think you probably spend more time critiquing everyone else than playing your own list. Probably I right? need to update my wall of shame. Uh, okay. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, you you have some uh, that I need to to potentially put I on there. I have some. Yeah, yeah. My my list is impeccable. Well, you're you're you have a couple of games that uh, fall into the uh, the. If we're going to consider modern classics, they're okay, but I'm not sure that that's the original it's idea a, behind the thread. It's an instant classic. Yeah, right. Everything's an instant classic these days. <laughs> it is an instant classic. I could argue that being one of the instant classics of this generation, or this past generation. You could argue which? Dark Souls. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Or Dragon Age is the other one on there. That's, that's another right. one. Yeah. I mean, I love Dragon Age, don't get me wrong, but... It didn't say retro game, it said game. Well, if you look at the original post, right... It says game, it didn't say retro. Yeah, it says games that are regarded as classics by most people. So, I don't know. I guess... It had I guess good if reviews. You, it had good reviews, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, modern classics are ones that generally I, I... That's why they were at the bottom of my wall of shame. Like, eh, I'm not really fond of people putting these on the list. But I won't I won't make too strong of a counter-argument. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, let's, let's go ahead and go through your list, and I can let you know if I have problems with anything else. Or, or All right. Otherwise, first, high praise. I, I did a little cross-gaming here. My first one is Eye of the Holder, since I knew I was going to be playing it anyway. So I can kind of... You know, if I start making... You know, this 10 plus other games I plan on playing that'll basically make my list, you know, 12, 15 games. So it's on I my list too. So it's, it's clearly consolidation a Consolidation yeah. <laughs> will make my list much more uh, feasible and doable. Yep. So I, the Beholder, I haven't figured out which system I'm going to play it on. I'm thinking it'll be the Super Nintendo. I thought I had a Sega CD copy, but I believe I don't after all. Um, number two is Dark Souls. I want to play that uh, before the online stuff goes away. And I played a good bit of Demon Souls. I didn't beat it, but I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm like, you know, I need to get on Dark Souls so I can get some of the online, to get the full experience of the game, basically. Uh, so you have a problem with that one being too modern, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, 
I know it's well regarded. Uh, my my thinking of this is for people to play games that uh, they've had maybe years to play. Right? I have. Well, Dark Souls had, had a few. Years. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> but you know, ga- games that have been around from previous generations or from the arcade era or something that just people will never had a chance to to dive into. So you know, this is a game that I feel you'd probably be playing anyway. Um, but that's fine. Did- that's the reason for doing these, so I'll get these games I want to play out of the way. Sure, right. Uh, number three is Castlevania. I've played this before. Uh, it's been a while. A the original. Time. The original. Uh, and I haven't probably touched it in 20 years kind of thing. So I have a copy, but this would be a good excuse to go and try to play it. I, uh, it's the first one pretty difficult. I can't remember. Uh, Will it be uh, a challenge to actually beat it? See, a lot of these games, they frustrate me, especially these platformer types when you have the three lives. You'll get, you know, several hours into the game, you'll get to the end, you'll lose all your lives and die, you have to restart from the beginning. That's what usually kills it for me. I've, I've never finished... Uh, is this, if I finished... I've never finished, I think, any Castlevania game other than Symphony of the Night and maybe one of the Game Boy Advance games. And I don't know if it's because they're difficult as much as I just kind of... Uh, got frustrated or bored with them yeah. uh, on, on the 8-bit systems. And uh, and I really haven't played too many of this. So, I mean, Symphony of the Night is, is one that I spent considerable time with. The 8-bit ones I've kind of played, like, the first few levels of, of the three main ones on the NES. Um, and I played a little bit of one or two of the 16-bit ones, but not much. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not... Uh, a series that has ever done it for me very much. Like the Symphony Night's okay. It's it's pretty good. I sort of see why it's well regarded, but uh, it's you know not like one of my favorite games or anything like that. And that's yeah. for many the best in the series. So yeah, I, I, I certainly uh, I certainly think it deserves to be there. Yeah, it's one of those games I think I'm gonna play. I'll give it a shot, but I wouldn't be surprised if I don't end up beating it uh, for whatever that's worth. Uh, number four is Dragon Age Origins. Uh, I've talked about this one plenty, don't want to rehash, but it's one of those I need to finish and I've been meaning to finish. So uh, I think the summer list is that I took more, what I took out of it was knock out some of the games you've been meaning to knock out. So that's the approach I took to my right, list. Right, but then it's just a backlog, right? Huh? Then it's just a backlog. Like, then it's just the challenge. Then, then the challenge is just about knocking out a backlog. It's not about knocking yeah, out a particular set also, of games. It's a knocking out a backlog and good games, like Dragon Age. Well, it's not good games, though. That's not, that's not the <laughs> classic, qualifier. Yeah, instant well, right. instant yeah. classic. <laughs> and then uh, number five is Ogre Battle 64. Um, that's another one. I'm currently playing it, so that was an easy one for me. I'll just go ahead and beat that. It's one of those I've been meaning to beat for years. It's the only Ogre Battle I haven't beaten. And not because it wasn't a great game. It's just some something happened. What do you, no, no opinions on that one? Uh, no, I, I mean, it's hard for me to think of any N64 game as a classic, right? So, <laughs> no, no, I think that's fair. I think that's, uh, I, I've not played it, so I don't have much of an opinion, but I, I do understand that it's well regarded. So, no problem, sir. Uh, and then number six is Desert Strike on the Genesis. I guess I could play the Super Nintendo version as well, but I've always played these on the Genesis. Yeah, when you when you uh, when you play that one, you need to go back and listen to the pre John era podcast where I uh, did did some discussion of the Strike series in, a, in an interview. I think that was before your time, right? I did listen to that one though. Oh, you've heard it? Okay. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't listen to it because that is one of my. As a kid growing up, I loved all the Strike games. Uh, no, I don't know. They, they're kind of hard to beat. They're fairly difficult. Um, 
Like I can play. It's it'd be one of those games if you could have save points, it would be no problem. Like a modern, you know, a modern game with save points. But once you're out of your lives, you have to. I think pretty sure you have to restart from the beginning. So I can usually get through the first few levels, and you know, a bunch of shit ends up shooting me down, and or I run out of gas and die. And so yeah. But Those you are funny there, games. Huh? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, well, it's hard to pick one and say, like, that's the one that should be the classic, because, um, you know, I mean, the, the, the three... It's probably that one or Jungle Strike are the yeah. two better regarded ones. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I have no problem with that one. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it, I would say it's sort of a, a niche genre, right? So, like, I don't know which, I don't know what genre you even consider those games. I don't know either. Because they're not really, I mean, I guess just action, but that's really generic, yeah. right? So, yeah. yeah. Sure, that's but, good. Uh, Splatterhouse. I'm gonna play it on the TurboGrafx-16. Yeah, have you not played that one? Or nope, I have. Uh, I have it. I have. I've played one of the Genesis Splatterhouse a long time ago. I rented it as a kid. Uh, I wonder if you'll find that one to be like too. Uh, I mean, it's not really platformy, but like, I wonder if you just you know because it's a side scroller and there's some jumping and uh, it's. See, a, I, don't I don't mind. I wonder if you're not gonna like it. I don't like the jumpy platformers like the Mario types as much. I like the the more of the action, you know, like Strider and and uh, and um, stuff where you you know, or even the beat 'em ups. Or I guess those aren't platformers, the beat 'em ups, but where the the 2D side scrolling and you do more fighting and, and killing those. I don't mind as much the ones where you have to do these precision jumps and stuff. That's where well, that, I, that's was, the thing. So there's not there, there's some precision stuff in Splatterhouse. Like uh, like most of it is yes, just kind of hack and slash kind of. You know, run through and stab things and whatnot. But uh, mm-hmm. like, there are sections of the game where you have to move very deliberately and sometimes very quickly in order to to get through that part. So uh, I'm curious to see what you think when you get to that part uh, in that game. If that, I don't it kills know if, it for you. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know if I'm necessarily playing these games in this specific order or not, but we'll see. Um, number eight is Valus on the Genesis, and I've been trying. These games look really cool to me. Um, I've been trying to collect them. I think I've picked up several of them now, but I wanted to start with the first one. And uh, I know it's one of those mainstream, not as big games, but I think it's more of a classic among the game aficionado type people. I think it, would that does it sound right to you, Dave? Uh, the that it's a, a sort of in the genre, well regarded. Yeah, it's like well, I think it's more of those where the casual gamers like, what's Valus? I never played that. You know, I only yeah. know my Mario's, but. For enthusiasts, the Rackboy members probably mostly have an appreciation for it type of game. I, it's hard for me, yeah. Like so, that's one that um, it's. I don't. I, I would have to research. I think before I'd have to figure out if that goes on my list of shame or not. So, uh, how many how many games are in that series? I know there's at least four. And that might be the cap. And and and, and uh, did they do things that were um, substantially innovative or well regarded or influential? I don't know. That, I don't yeah. use those. I, I think of games as just being fun in their own regard. I don't, I don't care so much about influence and innovative. Well, I'm just. Is it, is it right. a game? Is it a fun game? Do I enjoy my time playing it? Well, so like, I guess my my question is: Is it just a, an old game that's good, or is it is it something that? Because uh, I mean, that's one thing. It is kind of again my just interest in this this term classic, right? So just yeah. because it's old and good, does that make it a classic? No, that's kind of a a vague uh, qualifier. Then I, I think I think it should be something that has some gravitas, some some influence, some uh, best of the best kind of characterization. So Hardcore like, well, Gaming so, so like, did a whole uh, article on the series. Well, they do, yeah, but that. they they look at a lot of really niche stuff, right? So I think like professional gamers, the way that he's been arguing in that thread is to uh, suggest like the, the 
some of his games have appeared regularly on things like EGM's lists, and I'm yeah. somewhat sympathetic to those arguments if they have regularly done that across more than one publication. W- would you say that's probably true for for Valis, or uh, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe I'll I'll find out and I'll figure out whether or not it needs to go on the wall of shame. <laughs> uh, Ease two. Uh, I've played about halfway through it, so that's another one of my in the middle of let me knock it out kind of games. And I I would definitely say the E series is a, is a classic RPG, uh, well regarded by the action RPG fans. Um, I, I, it's on your list too, isn't it? Which one? Sorry, East I two. was distracted here for a second. E two is yes, and that's yep. the next one I'm planning to play. Uh, I'm going to play it on Steam. Well, when we did the East 1, I rolled right into that one, the East 2, and I was playing that during, I guess, Together Retro a uh, year or two back, and I got about halfway through, and another game caught my eye, so. Hmm. My last one is System Shock 2, and I, I also the reason why I picked that it. one, yeah, I, I was going through my, basically how I did this, I went through my game inventory spreadsheet, and I was just picking out stuff, and I went through there, I was like, man, I only have one PC game on there, and I don't have any shooters, so. So System Shock Two sounds is one of those uh, those uh, you need to play it type of or you should have played it type of games. So yep, yep, I threw that one on there. So that's that that is my ten. Yeah, well, it sounds like a, a reasonable list. I think that uh, we'll have to look into the Valis, and I'm still I'm still not happy with the uh, modern classics, but uh, you know, instant classics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so like um, when. Uh, Let's see, what was it? Yeah, like Titanfall came out and it was really successful. Is that an instant classic? Is Titanfall now an instant classic? Yeah, but that's still like modern. That's still like <laughs> just too recent. Oh, so what's the cutoff? I don't know. Two years? And that's a game that's like still in its like release window. Okay, all right. So Dark it has Souls to be... 2. Dark Souls had a sequel. Dragon Age had a sequel. So something has had a sequel. That's not necessarily. It because it's had a sequel, but it it's now there's something newer to play. You know, yeah. It's it's kind of it's not during its release window anymore. It's like would um like Call of Duty Modern Warfare, that be a classic? But it's not a classic though. Why not? It's just as old as like Dragon Age. Yeah, but it's that game's not as well regarded. I don't think Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Yeah, a lot of people hate them. No, it's. It's just, it was uh, extremely well regarded. I mean, it basically kicked off uh, the uh, yeah, but only, people really only liked it for the multiplayer. Well, sure, right? Yeah, no, I'm so not talking you, about the single player, but the the, so the, the mechanics because it's no, still up, it's still available. Like this I is the same it. argument with you with Dark Souls. Like, you know, go out and play it while the multiplayer still exists. Yeah, but I'm playing mostly for the single player content. Yeah, I don't know. The multiplayer, it's just it's uh. I don't know. It's well, we're trying to beat games. You can't really beat multiplayer. Sure. Yeah. You can spend. You can. You well. You can like. Uh, you can I have fun with you it. Could, I don't remember if in the original one, if you could uh, prestige. Right. That's like yeah. what they do now. Is you can sort of hit the level cap. I suppose that's kind of beating it. But all right. Well, anyway. So we we have some overlap. I'll go ahead through my list. Uh, Eye of the Beholder would be overlap. Uh, System Shock Two would be overlap, and Ease Two would be overlap. Uh, so obviously all of those are excellent picks. <laughs> um, no, okay. The, uh, the others on my list um, would be Strider, the, uh, the arcade version of the game, the sort of original incarnation I've uh, not spent more than just a, a couple minutes with in MAME before, so I'm going to try to spend uh, some uh, time to play through that game. 
Um, have you played that one? Is that that one you're familiar with much? I've played um, the NES or Genesis Strider, and okay. I have. I almost put one of those on my list. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've played some of the PS One version, which I think is actually might be Strider Two. Mm-hmm. I forget if they're both on the PS One. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Thief, Thief Gold. Uh, I've never played one minute of a Thief game. So uh, they're obviously well-regarded, especially the first and second one. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, although uh, I, I'm a bit apprehensive because I know that uh, stealth games have uh, been sort of a popular subgenre for the, the last 10, 15 years since Thief, which is a pretty early example, and I'm, I'm wondering how well it, it, the mechanics and everything hold up. So I'll find out. Um, no problem with that one. Yeah, that's definitely a, a. They just made a, a remake or a reboot of. Yeah, it wasn't series. well received, though. The uh, the new thief. Was it not? I've no. Heard, I've heard decent things about it. it. It wasn't, you know, a ten or nine. I've heard a lot of people say it's pretty good, but there's a few flaws. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was sort of. I, I haven't looked at like the Metacritic score, but I thought it was something in sort of in the five or six range. So, uh. um, but uh, anyway, um, th- this is one people have had some. Uh, concern with my picking, but the uh, the typing of the dead they've argued is not a classic game. I don't uh, think it's a very classic game. I, think it's I don't a know. Stupid game. <laughs> I've, I've not played it, so this will be. Uh, it's. I think uh, the it, there was debate about this too, but I, I think it would be the uh, one of, if not the best known example of its genre. Um, you know, typing games, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never, and I never learned to type with games or anything, so, like, this is an entirely new concept to me. Like, I also don't type using, uh, like, the proper finger placement. I never have. Like, I, I just peck things out, and I've always done it pretty quickly. So if this game is going to force me to, like, have to place my hands properly on the Dreamcast keyboard in order to do well, it might be quite the struggle. So so we'll see. Um, and then uh, next one, Marvel vs. Capcom, the original uh, I actually had intended to play through all of the Marvel or Street Fighter. Well, you fight. just do that one real fast because you can beat it in about a few minutes. Yeah, ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah. So, well, fighting I'm not. Game, I'm, I'm only fighting gonna, games never made sense to me. Yeah. But, oh, well, I'm going to count it. Well, I'm only going to count it if I can one CC it. So, um, oh. you know, credit feeding a fighter, with some exceptions, generally wouldn't count for me for a uh, a clear or or to put it on my list. But uh, a one CC is, I think, a fair a fair way to do it because often you have to play around with different characters or you know, decent enough at it to beat the computer at the default. So that's one. Uh, Bushido Blade uh, is is the other one that some people weren't sure about on my list. Uh, do you have any experience with Bushido Blade or any thoughts on that one? No, I, I don't know enough of it. I, I'm obviously familiar with the game, but is that like a kind of an overhead? Um, that's side-scrolling or overhead-ish isometric? It's sort of a it's no it's it's sort of a fighting game kind of oh it's um, a fighting but not really like it's it's sort of a story driven weapons based uh, uh, game but like I I don't I to be honest I don't know enough about it like it's not a straight up fighting game and it's it's got story to it um, how long to beat puts it puts beating the game at uh, like about three hours or so which is pretty short but it's also much longer than a fighting game would be. So I, I'm not entirely sure what I'm in for. I do know that it was uh, it, it benefited immensely from the um, good 
will and, and good development that uh, Squaresoft had uh, at that point in the, mm-hmm. in the in the PlayStation One's lifestyle, and uh, it, I think it, I think it ended up getting a greatest hits release. Um, it was uh, certainly reviewed very very well at the time. Uh, there's a sequel as well, which is supposedly even better. So. Um, I've always had a lot of interest in those games. They've been sitting on my shelves for years, and I've never popped them in. So I figured this was a good opportunity, and uh, and certainly some people seem to concur that it was a that it should count as a classic. <laughs> Time to play some big blocky uh, um, polygon games again. The old PS One that three D stuff just looks pretty ugly to me now. Some of it, that, yeah. I mean, I was surprised by how good Spyro looked on the Vita. Um, I don't know, there's some upscaling and stuff going, or the fact that it's just on a small screen and it doesn't, you know, the, the stretching of the textures and stuff doesn't seem as bad. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it looked pretty good. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Bushido Blade will be uh, probably an, an earlier summer. One of the reasons I put this list together with, with these titles this year is because a lot of them are, like, less than five-hour games, probably uh, one, two, three, four... Five, about half my list uh, are games mm-hmm. that can be beat like in a couple hours, maybe you know, no more than four or five. And then uh, I don't think there's. I think Eye of the Beholder is probably the longest one on here, and that's even that's only like a twenty-ish hour game. So uh, you know, I, I one of the problems in the past I think is putting like a lot of games that are like seven or eight hours, and so I might get to like two or three of them in one short one, and, and that's about it. So I'm hoping to be able to to knock out more this year. Or like me with having a few 30, 40 hour games in there. Yeah, right. So good luck with Dark Souls and Dragon Age and, uh, e- well, Ease is short, but, um, Valus. Yeah, right. Well, Valus, Valus won't be that long. It's not? Okay. I don't know. It's, uh, it's kind of, it's side scroller, platformy, action, swing your sword type of game. Okay. okay. Hack and slash, so. so. That shouldn't be much more than probably a few hour game. Okay. But, uh,. And uh, let's see, so then uh, rounding out my list, uh, I already talked about Spyro and Eye of the Beholder, obviously, uh, is, is Wario Land on the Virtual Boy. Um, I've never played a Virtual Boy game through to completion. I don't know if I've ever played one for more than an hour um, <laughs> or a half hour, more likely. So, um, you know, this should be an interesting experiment for my eyes as well. But uh, I'll, I'll try to get through that. It's supposedly... You know, very good game on its own right. I, I've played the first level or two in the past and enjoyed it, but I just, you know, uh, yeah, I have to, like, the way that I have to play a Virtual Boy is I uh, have to bring, you know, it's upstairs with my game stuff, but, like, the most comfortable place to sit and play it is downstairs at the kitchen table. So I have to get all the cords and bring it all down there, set it up, and uh, it's, like, it's a bigger ordeal than most of my gaming stuff to set up and play. And uh, and it's not as comfortable to sit and play because I have to sit at the table, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, that's that's my list. So huh. so you you think you think you'll get through more than uh, two? <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. I'm I'm fairly I'm probably about close to halfway done with Ogre Battle 64 and I think I was more than halfway done with Dragon Age so if I pick up where I left off on those yeah you gotta now, finish Dragon Age I'm, I'm thinking I of know. trying to play the first two again uh, to prior to Inquisition Inqui- coming out yeah. yep. um, the uh, and I told you I, I finished I'm, I'm also reading the, the books uh, 
I'd like to read those this summer too. So they read pretty quick. So I, I read yeah, the I read the first one, um, but uh, yeah, I, I need to be fully steeped in, in Dragon Age lore prior to the new game, which I'm very <laughs> much looking forward to. Yeah, so am I. Um, I don't think we've gone on about our list. Uh, we have our form third of the Fortnite, which is just one. You basically picked the one I was going to pick, and I think we've had enough content to talk about that I don't need a, a second thread. Yeah, so. no, let's, not, let's, let's go ahead with this one. So the, the one that I picked uh, is one that I also weighed in quite a bit in, in the thread itself, so I'll try not to just rehash those arguments here. But um, there was a poll uh, that Mike posted uh, on, on behalf of the moderating team asking, uh, what do you think RacketBoy.com should not allow in the marketplace? And then proceeded to list uh, a number of different repro carts or bootleg carts. So um, you know, those that require translation, those that don't, those that are uh, expensive games over $100, homebrews, hacks of release games, repros of previously unreleased games, hundreds and ones. And then there's questions here about sort of uh, not stated as to whether or not uh, – you know, any of these are a problem at all, or whether or not uh, it needs to be certain regions are okay or not. And so some of the comments went in those directions. I, I uh, you know, spoke up and wanted everything to be okay, and then other people spoke up and wanted nothing to be okay. And so there seems to be some divide. The, the poll, as it stands right now, which I also uh, don't completely understand it's how it functions in any meaningful way, <laughs> um, it seems to suggest that most people don't want reproductions of games that are expensive to be listed and they don't want reproductions of games that don't require translation um and then everything under that has significantly less people uh voting about it but anyway so uh did you speak up in that thread a little bit i seem to think you did yeah, I did. what was your what was your stance on repros and, and what should or shouldn't be there i think we basically agree more on this one as well so this is going to be the Dave and John agree about almost every topic <laughs> th- uh, show, so yeah, maybe not as uh, not as much fun. There's less conflict for you guys, less drama conflict for you guys to, to listen to. But here it is. Uh, I basically I like repros, and I think I've I've, I've had these discussions with Hobie before, and he kind of disagrees with me here. But I, I don't really think it's our responsibility to worry about. Um, what other people do with games once we sell it to them. So if our intentions are good, we, we have a repro game, we market repro somewhere on the label, uh, is what it is, uh, and then if that person go, you sell it to them because you no longer want it anymore, and that person goes off and sells it to someone else on eBay and tries to pass it off as authentic, well, I mean, uh, I can't help that, and I don't think we should be responsible for that. No. Um, no. And that's the person being dishonest, not me, and they're using it. So this is more of a... Do you blame, do you try to wipe away the tool that's being done or blame the person that's doing it? So, I mean, you can always get another label. There's always some kind of deceit. And you've also got to be an aware consumer, you know? So, obviously, what we consider bootlegs are bad, which are games that aren't authentic that are trying to be passed off as authentic. That's what I call a bootleg. Reproduction are, I think, games that are recreated and... Uh, meant to be uh, and uh, shown to be or marked as a reproduction item, uh, not not trying to be passed off as a real thing. So I think those in those instances where it's not trying to be passed off as a real thing are okay. 
But then, on the other hand, I'm not sure so much if I think things like Earthbound reproduction should be allowed just because Earthbound's expensive. So, or any game really, uh, any I don't I don't kind of don't like the reproductions of games released in the U.S. I guess would be mine. Though, while I don't really like them, I'm not going to try to say that others who do want them and those who do want to sell them shouldn't be able to do it on Racketboy. So that's where my stance is. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't, think... I don't have any repros myself, but I I don't have any problems with them either. I have some. I have some. That are boxed and all that and sealed. And I think Hobie had a problem with those because it's, oh, yeah, they're all boxed and they have a seal on them. People are going to think it's new and it can be resold like that and people are going to pay more money and yada, yada, yada than it's worth. And, you know, I'm getting it because I like to have it and it's cool looking. And uh, so I have a few of those kind of repros, uh, mostly the translated Super Nintendo JRPGs that were never released here. Uh, I have some of those. And then I also got some... Uh, complete inbox Super Famicom games for fairly cheap, and then had someone who's doing uh, swapping out tr- uh, chips on games for like twenty to twenty five dollars. I sent them to him, and he swapped out the chip for me for like twenty five bucks, a translated version of the Japanese ga- game. So I have the Super Famicom cart with an English translation in it, basically. Right. So, right. And it uh, seems like some people don't mind that as much as the full bar repros. And we kind of get into the sacrificing the Famicom issue again where some have issue with them destroying games to make these. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my my answer to this is, you know, we, we already have a statement in the buy-sell trade rules that essentially says, uh, you know, be honest and upfront with what you're selling. Uh, buyer should be careful as well and make sure they do their due diligence. And it's not the responsibility of uh, the forum or, it's, or the moderators or anyone else to police any of that uh you know at that uh you know beyond what's maybe obvious for them to take down or something right so yeah. um yeah I, I don't know i like the question is whether or not we need ultimately whether or not we need to do rules and and i don't think uh and, and maybe i have a maybe because i uh helped construct a lot of the existing rules and i thought they were good and i thought about these issues at the time that I, i'm not anxious to see stuff added to them um but i i like this would be a case where i feel like uh, once you start making particular policies and particular kinds of things, it opens you up to the idea that you should do that for all kinds of exceptions and things. And, and I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think our blanket statements do the work that they need to do. Yeah. Uh, we're, Basically in agreement. No, in agreement. Yeah, so. All right. <laughs> so, uh, well, then let's go ahead and ju- uh, jump to the questions and feedback. Uh, uh, there's looks like a fair amount of feedback from the last show, and then yep. uh, just a few questions here as well. Okay. Uh, Opa Opa said, uh, your answer to my question, yeah, yeah, I forgot about pay-to-win type monetization, although that method is more prevalent in mobile games at this point. I haven't seen it in any... Uh, of my home console games, but you made a brief reference to fighting games. Any specific title you know that features pay-to-win mechanics? Um, he also said HD... Re- well, I, I guess we'll answer this first. Um, any specific title? I think he's talking... We talked about some of the uh, uh, free-to-play models, if we had yeah. a problem with them or not. Um, I can think of maybe two games I've heard that, that have this. Um, one, Both of which I've played only a very little bit. Uh, well, one I've played probably more than I should have, but... Um, one of those would be uh, the Sonic Ring game for uh, mobile devices. 
Um, it's just sort of a uh, like endless runner. Uh, a lot of endless runners have that kind of. Well, he says um, a fighting game. Oh, a fighting game. Oh, I missed that part. Uh, a fighting game with pay to win mechanics. Brief reference to it. Um, I think that uh, I've heard that criticism of the Street Fighter across Tekken game because it, mm. uh, some of the things the characters are able to do in that are tied to their gems that they earn through different rounds, and I, and I think um, that's where I remember hearing it, and uh, I'm trying to think of other examples. I don't know, what about you? I guess you can unlock characters, and some of those characters are inherently more powerful. More powerful, yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. I don't, I'm not a big fighter player, so yeah. I'm going to be coming up short on this discussion. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other fighting games that I know have a lot of... Uh, and and uh, yeah, so I mean, maybe that's a fair critique. Is you know, don't don't be too quick to sort of claim they're doing this if you can't actually think of examples where it's done. But I I guess I feel like I've heard from people who do know fighting games more that this is a concern that they have, and uh, sort of seizing on those concerns. Yeah. Um, HD Remakes discussion. He said uh, Knights of the Old Republic on mobile is really good. It's basically a port of the PC version, but updated for Retina displays. Runs great. So, those of you who might, well, I didn't know that it was even on mobile. So that would be interesting. Um, it's. I'm trying to think of how well it would look and play on such a small screen, but maybe on like a, a tablet or something, it would it'd be a little nicer. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I assume it's fine. I have. I, I well, I've not. I've played a little bit of the first one, but you know, maybe those are something I should play on a future I would say summer challenge list. Similarly to Mass Effect. Yeah, I've heard that. Yep. So, um, um, and then Dragon Quest Eight. Uh, I think John mentioned this. It's kind of strange coincidence because I've been playing this game and I listened to the podcast while I was leveling up my characters. So, I didn't expect it to come up during the discussion. I too would like an HD remake of Dragon Quest Eight because there's occasional slowdown and screen tearing. It is like the PS2 can barely handle it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think the game looks awesome in the PS2, and uh, it it came out you know kind of late in the PS2's life cycle. So. Uh, whether or not we're going to get it, I don't know, but definitely, you know, obviously I agree with you that it would make a very good HD remake. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I have no comment on that one, having not played it, so I'll jump to the next comment, <laughs> which is uh, from Jagosaurus. Interesting discussion on homebrew versus indie. To blur the lines further, Hasbro released Jaguar development rights to the public in 98, making it the first open platform to my knowledge. Telegames released Worms later that year. Telegames was a smaller studio. Doesn't differ much from 2014, Another World, JAG release. These could be retail, indie, or homebrew. LOL. JAG community is a weird example. Yeah, there, there's uh, a number of like Sega CD games, too. Uh, I don't know if they were uh, sort of open. I, I don't think Sega opened up to Sega CD, but they were uh, clearly like a company who was uh, sort of as a little cottage industry, finding people to develop for the Sega CD in the early aughts and, uh, and publish games for them. Um, there's like a, a bug game of some sort where you're like a bug shooting game and, and a couple of other things as well. And I think what he's talking about with the Jag, uh, the Jag homebrew scene also had some of that kind of more professional storefront, you know, collaborative efforts going on as well. So yeah, they're, they're, they're not easily defined terms, I think. Yeah, I think Noise was the one who really didn't like our definitions of it, but... Yeah, well... <laughs> he's got a few other... Jag's got a few other comments here. Oh, okay, so these are still his. All right, so uh, thanks for answering my story question. Glad to see you guys had some difficulty with non-RPG stories as well. 
Um, thanks for the comment. Thanks for the comment. Yeah, I was just trying to read this <laughs> next edit here that probably should have just been left out of the con out of the outline. So, uh, okay, um, the next comment here is from Alien Jesus. He says, "I have no." Oh, wait, 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 wait! You got to do the Alien Jesus voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't gonna let you off. <laughs> I should let you read it. You don't. You don't have a good uh, English I, accent. I don't uh, have a very good English accent. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't even come out right. No, you can say it. No, I was just. Uh, I had another idea for a guest you might try to get on your show. I don't know if the person would be willing, but it might be a good idea to try and get Graham McAllister or one of the other team members of Player Research on. It's a startup company in Brighton that specializes in user experience testing games. I think that's kind of slipping into Australian. Uh, it's less about does this work mechanically and more about does this work as an experience. An interesting angle, perhaps. Both the company and the man himself are on Twitter. Uh, uh, do you have interest in uh, in looking into that? Yeah, I think he's mentioned a few people. I'm sorry, Alien Jesus, we haven't necessarily followed through so far with your uh, your reader or your uh, guest request. I know we've asked for people to give us some, and I don't think we've done a very good job of acting upon a lot of these requests, have we, Dave? No, we're too enamored with the sound of our own voice. Exactly. <laughs> uh, though I like this, kind of goes on the apologize in general for our, our uh, shows have not really been very well. Uh, on our regular schedule lately, so I know uh, listeners who expect to show every two weeks may have been disappointed or not, but I think we're going to try to get back. Now, Dave's got summertime. Maybe we can uh, get a more regular show coming in, uh, get some uh, schedule, some more interviews coming up. So, yep. uh, I don't, this sounds like uh, an interesting person to bring on, uh, something offbeat and the kind of stuff we like to do, you know, where it's, you know, is that just the same old stuff? So, um, the only issue is a lot of times we had with some of these uh, uh, out-of-country uh, guests is trying to schedule everything. As in, I missed this last one because it was really early in the morning on a weekend. And it's like nine. That's Yeah, your time. <laughs> eat my time. And uh, I wake up really early during the week, but on the yeah, weekend I, I sleep in. Yeah, and I, uh, I, you know, I stay up till you know, whatever. Four. I probably would have been better off staying up all night long and doing it and then going to bed. To be honest, that's right. We just know who's got higher level of dedication. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that, I mean, sometimes scheduling. We had the Yogg's cast. We had uh, the, this uh, episode seventy two. Um, who I think we had another one that was uh, a bit, uh, you know, conflicting time zones. But yeah, uh, something we'll we'll keep in uh, in mind as we seek out some interview people. And I think uh, if I'm going if I'm going to E3, I might be able to to nab some of those for it. But uh, maybe after you know later in the summer, we can really start looking into some uh, guests to finish off the year. E3 is in June. Yes. Okay. Uh, whether or not I'm going to have time to do audio interviews for the podcast, I don't know. Since I'm going on behalf of RP Gamer, right? So yep, yep. If they have me really scheduled for stuff, I may not have the chance. But I'll. It's one of those I'll figure it out once I'm there, kind of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of walking there. I remember. Uh, you yeah, weren't, you weren't fond of that at PAX, so. Oh, I was <laughs> fine with it at PAX. <laughs> well, the pro- problem was we walked around New York City for an entire yeah, day. Yeah, that's day before. that's true. Yeah. So my legs were tired, yeah. and uh, I'd gotten a blister on my foot. So that mainly it was the blister on my foot that was giving me the issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, let's see. Questions. TSTR. 
I said perhaps the discussion on the analog NT controversy would be timely. We oh, we're yeah. so timely we already yeah did not it. anymore yes, we're ahead of the times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are visionaries of the of the uh, future. Uh, let's I see. guess. Next question <laughs> is Eramonde. Who is your favorite Mortal Kombat ninja? <laughs> um, I know there's what three at least. Yeah, <laughs> probably more. Now, what do you define as ninja? The Sub Zero, scorpion, uh, scorpion, reptile. Yeah, reptile guys, or are they all kind of like ninjas? <laughs> I I would say those three. Yeah, I think Sub Zero is my favorite. I agree as well. <laughs> They're all your favorite? No, Sub Zero. I agree that those are the only three, uh, and I agree that oh, Sub Zero okay. is my favorite because he shoots ice. So how cool is that? Uh, you're not supposed to agree with me on everything, Dave. Uh, well, the... when will Dave buy a Wii U? This is the last question. Why don't we see tr- if we agree? When Dave just wants to get. Well, yeah, I know already. Know where you're going to buy a Wii U? You want one that's cheap, and you get some games with it. So basically, you want Dave wants something under retail where he rips somebody off for uh, their hard-earned spent money on the Wii U, or until he gets a uh, grant from the state of Pennsylvania <laughs> to do it. Yeah, it's probably a fair fair guess. I, I'm not seeking grant money for one presently. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, it would be uh, probably when I can get one for around two hundred uh, or less out of pocket, and yep. and get uh, maybe two or three games that I want with it. So, yep, that's, that's probably what I'm looking for. <laughs> so I, I, I thought I almost had it, the uh, that Mario bundle, uh, the Mario Kart bundle. I, I have this E-Starland credit that uh, if they had it, uh, I would be able to get the, the Mario Kart bundle, uh, which you get an extra game with Mario Kart, and uh, I would have been able to do the whole thing for, like, less than 150 bucks or something out of pocket. So, like that or maybe even a hundred out of pocket or something. So like that would have been, uh, an ideal scenario, but East Arland, uh, does not know if they will be carrying that particular bundle. So that's not going to happen. Maybe, maybe it will, but how'd you get East Arland credit? Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that I had, uh, sort of languishing on my trade list. Uh, I guess mostly last year that, uh, you know, I, I kept knocking the price down and eventually I knock it down, below the trade-in value that East Starland would give me for it. So I just decided to uh, send a bunch of stuff there and a couple of shipments and build up some credit. All right. So, which is not, like maybe something to look into. Like, I, I've actually been pretty impressed with their, uh, not to you know, plug East Starland here, but I've been pretty impressed with their uh, trade-in values. It's It can be a little hit and miss, so, like, sometimes something you think should be getting a lot more... Um, won't, but then sometimes... Did you say 50% of what they sell for? 60? 40? Um, yeah, probably 40, 40 to 60, depending on the the demand for the title. Right. Um, but, like, I mean, like, the nice thing is, you know, there might be, I might have five uh, PS2 games on my list that are, like, you know, three or four dollar games or something that I don't want, and, uh, but they'll give me, you know, Three dollars or two fifty or something each for them, but I can just hmm. bundle them all up and you know send them in one shipment and uh, you know maybe if I'd sold them each individually and shipped them each individually, I would have made you know fourteen dollars. But with East Island, I made eleven. But I just sent it all at once and was done with it. But right? Only in credit though, right? No cash. No, you can cash out, but the cash value, like most trade and stuff, is smaller. So okay. But I mean, generally when I trade games anyway, it's to buy games, and I, I've you know bought some stuff from them over time too with credit so um 
you know, it's it's not a bad alternative if people are finding like it difficult to to move things on a forum thread uh, or maybe even across a couple of different forums um, to at least check out their traded values and, and some of the stuff you know you'll find you might want to trade in and they they'll, they'll give you like one of the variations they'll give you more or less credit if you have the manual in the box and stuff and um, you know sometimes you'll be insulted by what they offer and sometimes you'll be like wow I'm really getting like a lot more from them than what I thought like sometimes right. they'll offer me more than I was trying to get for the game so you know that's nice yeah. And a somewhat minorly related note, I've noticed, at least on Racket and some other forums, that I haven't been getting as much action in my sell threads as I've had in the past, and I'm not really sure why. I think my prices are below market, but it just seems like, as a whole, uh, sales haven't been as strong as they used to be whenever I'm selling some stuff I don't want anymore. So Yeah, I've we, not been I, buying or selling much on the forum lately, so... Yeah, I don't know what the reason is, or, or at least the stuff when I'm actually am selling it, it's typically to people that I'm not even familiar with on the forum. They just yeah. maybe happen to stop by, or they're lurkers, or they only, you know, none of the regulars are really, not, not I should say not, not many have been buying for me, so for whatever reason, I can't, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't, I mean, like, I, I'm not buying much retro stuff at all lately, other than digital versions of things, most, mostly because, like, my my collection is kind of where I'd like it to be. Like there are the odd titles out there that I kind of would like, and I'm still working on like pinball games, for example. But mm-hmm. there, there's nothing where like it's very rare that I'll come across a trade list where I see like all the stuff that I want, or even a couple of games that I really want. So you know, it's uh, that that's part my, of the problem yeah. for me. My problem is that I'll come across one thing I want, and I'm like, man, I really don't want to pay shipping on that one item. Yeah, I wish if I would have found two or three things, I probably would have done it. But that one. But uh, I get I don't know my uh, my I'm at the point where I also only really have high end stuff left to get the harder to find stuff and the other pricey items or or I've been going for you know completing uh, carts and stuff with boxes and manuals. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I think uh, we're wrapping up the show now. Dave can do his little outro. I'll let you do the outro since uh, I, I get to do I the forgot, outro since I forgot to let you do the intro. Yeah. Man, I don't, I don't got the uh, the spiel down. I think you can, uh, if you have any more questions or comments, obviously get with us on the forums. Uh, we're also on uh, iTunes, so uh, we're still releasing on iTunes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you can listen to us on the podcast racketboard.com slash podcast. You can listen to us on iTunes. You can contact us on Twitter, Twitter at racketboy. Pod CST and hit up uh, Dave or I's uh, Twitter's on there as well uh, for discussion. You can follow us for uh, some of our non related podcast uh, uh, thoughts and comments. And anything else? Any closing comments from you, Dave? No, not especially. Is it? Is it been uh, seasonably warm there? It's. Uh, it was, it's finally in the seventies here, which is nice. Just uh, last week or two, it started. To, it's probably in the mid upper eighties. I think it hit ninety a few days. So, yeah, yeah. not I'm not happy about that. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I'm happy for it here. I'm glad we're finally having some some nice weather. So it's totally that AC is going to be kicking in all the time. I'm going to have some three hundred <laughs> three hundred dollars summer uh, utility bills and and noisier podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, sorry, uh, Apple. <laughs> And, uh, you know, another reason we should hopefully get some more out, I think, uh, App, our, uh, our editor Apple has been busy lately and hasn't been around the forums and uh, able to get on the editing as quickly. So I think, uh, uh, we'll be, be able to 
get those out a little a little timelier. Yeah. And uh, we, we appreciate Apple's help, of course, as always. Indeed. So, Indeed. Forgot to plug Apple there. Yes. Um. But I guess here's uh, uh, some music to listen to. Is that, is that all right? <laughs> no, that was horrible. That was horrible? <laughs> yeah, here's here's uh, some music to listen to. <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and finish it up with, uh, here's some music to put you in the mood. Is that better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right.